before Linda comes up, just a couple of uh, things. This Sunday, we begin uh, a brand new series, which is really going to be our fall emphasis. Uh, it's called Wired That Way, and we're going to be focusing on discovering our spiritual gifts, uh, our passions, our abilities, our per- how our personalities have been wired, and how our experiences all come together and are useful for the kingdom and for the church. And so, uh, if you haven't yet signed up to be a part of the Bible Fellowship Hour, uh, we just need to know that you're coming. You can walk in whether you signed up or not. There's going to be stuff for our kids. There's going to be stuff for our students. Uh, and we're, start, we're kicking off with a breakfast uh, this, this Sunday morning. We'll hopefully have breakfast each week. Uh, but this is going to be a twofold purpose. One is, is just fellowship, getting to know one another. Uh, we've had a number of people uh, join our faith family over the course of the last year, year and a half. Uh, a lot of people, and a lot of people still visiting their guests, and we just need a chance to get to know one another uh, and become the body. The second thing is to discover how we're wired, how we are built, uh, and go from there. So I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to see how different people are gifted and, and how they're going to fit into what God is calling us to do as a church. Uh, the second thing is, is if you would like to, uh, we do have a couple of options for transporting the towels and the toiletries to our friends in New Orleans, and we're going to be also introducing some uh, short-term mission trips to help them. Uh, this is going to be a long game uh, for a lot of the healing. A lot of people are saying that this the destruction was worse than Katrina. It was just kind of a different kind of construction. Uh, the church that we are going to be partnering with, with, with Williams Boulevard Baptist Church, where uh, my former, where I, Julie and I used to serve and worship, um, they actually just got power in one of their buildings, and so they are super excited about that. They have power, and they have a generator. Um, A generator was donated to them from a church in Texas, and it is powering building three. Uh, So they have a gym that they can worship in. They have a kitchen where they can feed people, and they have a mission area where folks like us can go and stay and serve the community. So they're very excited about that. Um, None of their buildings have a, a, a backside to them right now. Um, except for building three. And so uh, we, we are going to be praying for them and loving on them in the days and in weeks to come. But if you, if you haven't yet brought towels or toiletries, that's all they're asking for is just towels. And somebody asked me the other day, why towels? Um, because they had to throw all of theirs away. Um, they used the towels to keep the rain from coming into the homes and the doors. And then when the power went out, they had nothing to wash the towels with. So all the towels molded and mildewed. And so, um, uh, Davey, you've written one, you've written one out while you were at seminary and I have too. So we can kind of know what that's like. And so they're just kind of making do right now. So on Monday, either with Chris Gibbs, did I see him when I walked in? either with their, their team or somebody else, we're going to send uh, all we've been collecting. Our preschool has been collecting as well. So um, I'm just excited. And if, if you've been a part of the church for a while, is, hey, Laura, I'll just look at you and say this, Linda, we're, we're helping other people. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's, that's super cool. So if you've got any questions or any thoughts about that, just find me afterwards and I'll, I'll give you all the information that I have. But I want to go ahead and give Linda as much time as I possibly can because she's going to get through the entire book of Isaiah tonight and she's going to cover all of the minute details that are in the But I'm sitting down now. Now, actually, I believe, if I understand this, this, is, this was one of your BSF studies that you used to, to lead. So I'm excited. I'm just kidding. Um, I am not leaving. Be- I'm not leaving because I don't like Linda. I am. Uh, I'm going to work with the youth for just a little portion, but I'll be back in. I just didn't want anybody to think I was ditching you. So. Have you ever been so excited that you could hardly stand still or be still? That's me right now. You better be careful. I am so excited to have the opportunity to talk with you all, to share with you all tonight about Isaiah. I love Isaiah. And I had, as Jonathan mentioned, uh, BSF Bible Study Fellowship did that. They've only done it once, which I don't know why, but anyway, they've only done it once. Um, But I had the opportunity, uh, I was teaching leader at the time, and I had the opportunity to teach Isaiah. I'd always loved the book, always wanted to study the book, and I had the opportunity, and now I get to share with you all. And I'm so excited, I can't stand myself. 
I'm just so excited. Okay, I've got a lot to say and a short amount of time to say it in. Um, in the beginning, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Isaiah, the man Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. We know um, not a whole lot, but a little bit about him. We know that he was a prophet, and we know that he prophesied during uh, the reign of four kings. That would be Uzziah, and Jotham, Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah. He was very important, they, and according to some of the, I'll calm down just a minute and get my words together. Um, according to some of the passages, it looks like he probably was, came from a family of means uh, because he um, got, got along real well with the uh, royalty there in the area. And uh, so he had a lot of it, probably, maybe a little bit like Moses, who knows, that he because he was because he was exposed to so much of the culture and so much of education that look at what he wrote this book of Isaiah how amazing it is that he put all this down in words through the emphasis through the power of the holy spirit of course but used what Isaiah had learned over the years the book of Isaiah is scholars generally um divided up into three parts of chapters 1 through 35 is all about judgment there is a little bit that's thrown in there of hope and, and uh, things that we can look forward to and it's not going to be all bad but for the most part it's all about judgment see Judah hasn't been they, they just haven't been doing too good because they kept moving away from God and they kept doing their own thing. In today's world, you might say they were more interested in the golf courses than they were in the, what was going on in the church. Now, I'm not against golf. That's fine. If that's your sport, that's just fine. But it cannot be your all in all. God wants to be first place. And these people were his people. And he had loved them and cared for them over the years, brought them out of Egypt, um, set them up just so good to them and they kept falling away they was more and more interested in their homes they were more interested in more money prestige status all that stuff and God had enough Isaiah comes on the scene and he has a vision I love these visions that Isaiah has. They're just amazing what God has shown him. And that first chapter, and if you don't have your Bibles open, I forgot to tell you that, uh, or ask you to do that. I shouldn't say tell you, should I? Um, to ask you to turn in your Bibles, please, to, um, to Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to start there. If you're not sure where Isaiah is, go to the middle of your Bible, um, to the Psalms. Go right about a quarter of an inch. And it's right in there. Oh, oh yes. And my friend Karen, who is, is going to be my mom, prompter tonight, is she's looking the index. If all else fails, look in the index. It, it will be there. And as you start reading through there and look at the and here and seeing what Isaiah writes, um, and I forgot to look up the page number that's in the Pew Bibles. Look in the index if you got a pew Bible. Just look in the index. It'll show you where it is. I'm, not, I'm sorry, Teresa? Even 600. 600. All right, we got it. And the first, first, those first verses there, there uh, he's talking about the judgment. And God is, think of it this way. God is the judge. He's also the prosecutor. And the people are the Israelites, the Jewish people. And he's saying to them, you know, you guys are you're so far away from me. And he is, God is not a happy camper at this point. Because his people have turned so far away from him. And he's telling them, you guys better pay attention. You guys better get with the program here. Because judgment is coming. And Isaiah has written this in sort of like a prose form, but he's written this to wake up the people. And as I was reading this and, and going through this, I'm thinking, and how many times and how many people have said to, said to me, and perhaps to you as well, wake up. 
your priorities are, are all askew. Your priorities are all mis messed up. We put God first. And when God comes first, when we put God first, then the other things seem to kind of fall into place. Because what we have of God, what God has of us, is um, that is going to last for eternity. One of the things, years ago, I taught uh, the kids, you know, teenagers, and no, I'm not ready to do that. Don't even go, no. Um, but I told them, I said, we were, we had, uh, Jerry and I had moved into a house and I was making draperies and it, all of a sudden I was spending all this time making the draperies and all of a sudden it dawned on me, you are spending an enormous amount of time getting these window treatments fixed and you know what? In a few years, you're not going to, you're not going to like them. You're going to want something else because they're not going to last. But the things of God does last. Um, the second portion in, of this, uh, the book of Isaiah is, is from uh, chapters 36 through 39, and that's like a historical interlude. Um, you have the, the time that this, that's taken place, uh, things are kind of shifting around, the Assyrians are moving off the page of history, and the Babylonians are coming on the page of history. And then in chapter, beginning in chapter 40, verse 66, and 40 through 66, it's a time of comfort. And I don't have time, and, and I know that you know that, to go through all of this, but I, I would hope that you would take some time at home to read through the entire book of Isaiah. What you're going to see is how God brings, he announces to his people, but he doesn't just announce it and do it. He announces it and gives them time to repent. And he gives them hope. He, he, it's not a hopeless case. It's not a hopeless situation. But, but he says, you've got to repent. That's the answer. Repentance. Turn from the sin that you're committing. Come back to me. Come back to God. And in the last portion, it's more toward this future uh, of of what even some of it is even future to us because it refer it's talking about the millennium it's talking about heaven it's talking about that wonderful place that we're all going to go to if we know those who know Jesus Christ and uh, it's going to be it's going to be an awesome experience I cannot even imagine what it might be um, in verse in chapter one verse eighteen I want to point that out to you because for this reason it, God says through Isaiah to the people, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Now, at first reading, you might think, okay, let's talk about this. As God says, let's, okay, people, let's talk about this. Let's negotiate here. And that's not what God is saying. God is saying that uh, I am right. God is right. And he has, he has looked at what is going on, he sees what's taking place, and he says, there is no negotiation here. There is nothing that you can say in defense of yourself because you've moved away. And judgment is coming. He says in chapter um, chapter 4, and there's that just that short, it's a very short chapter. It actually, it's only 1 through 6. But he says... There is a promise of Israel's future glory. In other words, there is hope for the future. There is hope that it's not going to always be like this. And I find that so comforting because that not only applied to um, <clears throat> Isaiah's day, but it applies to us too. And yes, things look bad. And yes, we're struggling with the COVID mess. And we're struggling with, uh, with Afghanistan and we're heartbroken because we have friends that were left there. We have people that we know that are trying to get out even now and can't. But, that, but there's still room for hope because God's got a plan. And what, he, what we're going to read in Isaiah is part and parcel of what has taken place in the world today. Because all that's taken place, whether we like it or not, is part of God's plan. 
And that plan is to draw us to himself, that we might be a people that love God, want to serve him, pour out our lives for him, teach our children, teach our neighbors, whoever comes, whoever we come in contact with. God wants that for you and for me. And he wants that for FBI too. You know, Jonathan has talked, says, has said so often that um, <clears throat> we're going to reach this community, we're going to reach Melbourne, we're going to reach Brevard County, and on and on. That's a vision that God has given to Jonathan, and he calls us in to be a part of that. Isn't that exciting to be a part of what God's doing? If that doesn't make you excited, I'm sorry. There's just, you need to think about that. You just need to work on that. Um, he says, but in, in uh, chapter five, he says in first chapter four, there is that promise of future glory. And like I said, he gives us, he, throughout Isaiah, he gives promises and there's hope and there's, and there's that. But wait, judgment's coming. Chapter five, there's a vineyard. He talks about the vineyard. The vineyard being um, Israel. And God says, but I have planted this vineyard, and I, I um, nurtured it. I, have you ever had a plant that you just babied and w waited, just letting it grow, and you gave it just the right, right amount of water and just the right amount of fertilizer, and you just babied it along, and it died? Well, that's kind of what's happening with Israel, God had worked with them, and he'd done so much for them, and yet they turned away from him. And he says, uh-uh, judgment is coming. And then in chapter 6, and I know it's a section that just about everyone knows, is familiar with, has heard of, and, or, some, or uh, knows about, and that's in chapter 6, verse 1, in the year Uzziah died, Isaiah received the call to begin his prophetic ministry. <clears throat> prophetic ministry. Isaiah was worshiping in the temple, and we don't know what he was saying, but that he was worshiping. So he's pouring out his heart to God. And probably he was saying something like this, Lord, my people, look at what they're doing. Lord, I'm so sorry for what my people are doing. <clears throat> Lord, do something. Do something for us. Draw these people back. And what happened with Isaiah? Jonathan, in a recent sermon, mentioned, talked about that, how his glory, God's glory, filled the temple. It was everywhere. And Isaiah was speechless. I would have been speechless too. And probably you as well. And Isaiah saw his sinfulness. And, he said, and I say that because in the words, Isaiah said, but I am a man of unclean lips. Isaiah saw the purity and the holiness of God. And he looked at himself and he says, I am a sinful man. But then the scripture tells us that a seraphic came. And put a coal to his mouth, to his lips. And he was cleansed from his sin. The guilt was taken away. And I, you know what Isaiah's response is? As the Lord says, who's going to go for me? Who's going to go? And Isaiah said, here I am. I'll go. Here I am. Send me. Would that be my answer? Would that be yours? If you had an, an encounter with the living God, and he said, he talked to you, and you recognized who he is and who we are, and recognize that my only hope is through God and through his salvation, the salvation of Je that Jesus provided for us on the cross, that he paid the price for my sin, and that I, through that I am forgiven of uh, my sin. 
can we not, can we not say, yes, Lord? If he didn't do anything else for us, not one other thing, we still, we still, because of that, should be able to say, whatever, I'll do it. Lord, send me. And you know, from that time, that was a turning point for Isaiah. Uh, it was a pivotal, one of those pivotal moments, and you may have had one of those pivotal moments yourself as you uh, encountered God or encountered something through Scripture. And, and it just, it was a uh, life-changing time. And it was for Isaiah. Because from that point forward, Isaiah was faithful to the call he was faithful to his mission. He said what he needed to say regardless of the people's response. He served under the, um, the leadership of four kings, and he stood his ground the whole entire time. Uh, in, the in the remainder there, See, and uh, there's another thing. In chapter 7, verse 14, and chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, you don't have to turn there. But that, remember I said that there's always these interspersings of hope. There's a promise of the Messiah. You have a handout that I asked um, Karen to, to give you, and it's 23, 23 prophecies, prophecies of Messiah in the book of Isaiah alone. And I hope you'll take the time. If you didn't get one, you have some extra ones. Karen's got some extra ones here. I'd really like for you to have one um, that you can in your own time at home. Uh, have some, uh, just spend some time looking over those promises and, uh, and, and how they've come, become fulfilled. In uh, chapter 24, there's, he talks about the devastation of the earth. And in chapter 25 through 26... There is uh, praise and deliverance for, uh, for Israel. And in chapter 35, this section ends with the joy of the redeemed. The joy that we have knowing that when I draw my last breath, I will see him face to face. And you and I, you will too. And I'm excited. I have a lot of questions for Isaiah. Uh, he's going to give us a, a, um, a series of lessons and teaching us uh, when we get there. Now, I'm counting on that. And I've already got my name on that list because I have a lot of questions to him about what was it like to have a vision. I've never had a vision, and I don't know that I ever will. But to have a vision and have God speak to you in such a way. And for him to show you what lies ahead. I've got some other things to talk with you about as we get, as we get a little bit further into, this, into this, this evening. But it's exciting to me, in more ways than one, to read through Isaiah to read through this wonderful book. Yes, the judgments are there, but there's always the promise of hope. Always. But he tells you and he tells me what to look for. Remember the disciples, they said, Lord, what, what will be the sign of your coming? And the Lord, the Lord answered the questions. He obviously didn't give him the date, but he answered his questions. And we have seen, you and I have seen some of that fulfillment in, uh, as the Bible has portrayed it and taught it in our lifetime. And you got to remember, Isaiah wrote these words some, well, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus was here or more, and you go back even further, only an amazing, amazing God could do that. I can't tell you what is going to happen in the next 30 minutes or between now and the time I get home, which is another 30 minutes. But, but God knows. Now, 
It's your turn. I have some questions for you, and it's on that page that Karen gave you. I'm going to give you a few minutes. Why don't you talk about that? And um, then I'll come back and interrupt. Oh, they, the questions I want you to look at are those first, um, the first ones there, the first four. Isaiah 26, Isaiah 10, 25, and 35. Look at those questions. Thank you.
want to spend just a few minutes on uh, that center section, Isaiah 36 through 39. It's a time in Israel's history that um, the Assyrian nation is beginning, is losing its power. It's no longer the number one, the most powerful nation in, in that, during that time. And uh, the Babylonians are coming on board and they're coming in, into power. And God is going to use um, God is going to use both of these nations to draw His people back to Himself. And as I was working through this, I couldn't help but I had to laugh because um, I think it's Habakkuk, and he's and God is telling Habakkuk that the Babylonians are going to come in and they're going to take the Israelites and they're going to put them. They're going to be in um, in captivity. And Habakkuk says, God, you can't do that. They're worse than we are. And God says, you'll see. And that's exactly what happened. The Babylonians did come in, and, they, and there was cleansing with the Jewish people. But then the, Babylonia, <clears throat> the Babylonians experienced God's judgment too. So we have the, uh, in this section, we have the Assyrian threat, which is kind of moving out of the picture here. And then we have the health threat with Hezekiah. And Hezekiah got sick, and he didn't want to die, and he prayed. And God said, okay, I'll extend your life 15 more years. And then, um, then, the, Babylonian, um, then the, Babylonian, the Babylonian threat comes in in there as well. But there's some things that we can learn from this, and it's, I'll give you a couple of principles here. <clears throat> God intervenes to deliver his people as they depend on him. You know, that would apply to me and you in, in today's world as we are having whatever we're experiencing. As we depend on him, he's going to come. He's going to come to your side. He's going to come and, and help you. You may not get out of it, out of what the difficulty is, but if you walk hand in hand with him through the difficulty, you and I will come out stronger on the other side. That's just the way it works. When we depend on him and he proves his faithfulness and we see his care for us, we look back, oh, God, that's what you, you did that. And we're stronger in our faith because of it. Um, and trusting God turns the deepest crisis into the highest praise. I want you to think about your, the crisis that you've experienced over the years. Maybe you're going through one right now with your family or uh, with a job or wherever. Uh, maybe it's a very serious crisis. When the, end of it, when the end of that time comes, what's going to be our response? What, what are we going to say or do to the world around us. They're going to probably think you're nuts, but that's okay. It doesn't matter because what matters is God. What matters is what we do, what he does through us, not for my sake, not for your sake, but for his sake, for him, so that he gets all the glory. Isaiah tells us, I don't have the chapter and verse in my brain right now, but Isaiah says, I will not share my glory with anyone. He is not going to have it. And we give point him to, we point, it's pointed to his glory and his work in us. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. That's a, that, to me, that's a comforting thing to know that I have walked the path, I am walking the path that he wants for me, and that I'm serving him as he wants me to serve him. But he gets the glory, not Linda Sinclair, not by any stretch of the imagination. So let's look in, starting in chapter, beginning in chapter 40, through the end of the book, there's 66 chapters in, uh, in this book, um, so we're going to have to do some fast moving, huh? In um, chapters 40 through 48, we have a promise of deliverance. Um, God is promising he's going to raise up someone, and I have to tell you this, I, I just have to tell you this, he's going to raise up Cyrus, but I want to tell you something. When Isaiah says this, 
he's saying this 175 years before Cyrus is born. And guess what? It does not come to pass for several hundred years later. God had it all planned. God had it all planned. And we think he's forgotten us. Maybe because, maybe because things aren't going the way we thought they should or the way I wanted them to go or whatever. And this Lord, have you forgotten me here? No way. He's just waiting for that time to come to pass. The deliverer at this time would have been Cyrus, but there's another one coming. The ultimate deliverer. And that's Jesus Christ. Chapter uh, Isaiah 53 is a very important um, chapter because in that chapter is a description of Jesus. Have you ever wondered what he looked like? You ever wanted to know what he looked like? I'm not going to tell you. You go home tonight and read chapter 53, okay? And you'll find out what he, what he was like. And you'll find out what took place and what he was, why he was coming. And he had to go to the cross. And then he had to die on the cross for the atonement of our sin. That's heavy thinking. Heavy, that's heavy-duty stuff, isn't it? And I have a friend. Um, well, I have some more, several friends. But a friend of mine in California, um, and she was a Jew, um, by birth, and in talking with her, and she said to me, she says, Linda, she said, it was through Isaiah 53 that I came to know Jesus Christ as my Messiah. Messiah. Rabbis won't talk about chapter 53. Some of the Jewish Bibles do not even have chapter 53 in there. At least that's what she told me. But I do know that they, they overlook they just skip over chapter 53. If you have a Jewish friend that you're witnessing to, take them to 53. Take them to Isaiah 53. Um, because in there it talks about the suffering servant that came a few thousand years later. It, is come, it was coming a few thousand years later. He says in, um, let's see, in jumping over to chapter 58 through 66, God's blessings are promised. In this last portion, we kind of go back, back and forth with um, the millennium, uh, with the future events that's going to take place, those events that are going to take place, even future to us. And that restoration, the restoration of Jerusalem and how Jesus is going to reign on this earth. And won't that be fun? Won't that be exciting? Because he's going to rule correctly. He is going to rule righteously with perfect judgment, perfect righteousness. Doesn't that sound good? It sure does to me. It sure does to me. And God is going to restore his people. God is not through with the Israelites. God is not through with his people. They will come back. They are coming back to him. Isaiah said so. We have no reason to think, not, to think differently. But as he's talking to these people, as he's prophesying, as he's talking to them, he's telling them, guys, obedience is the key. Obedience is the operative word here. God wants us to be obedient. He's given us his word. We have this book that we study, and he tells us how we're supposed to live and how he wants us to live. And we're supposed to be obedient. We expect obedience from our children, don't we? We say, okay, I need you to go make up your bed. And... Hopefully, your child will go make up their bed. You expect your child to be obedient because you train them to be obedient. You tell them the expectations, and you expect them to follow through. Do they always? Mm -mm. No, they don't, but we didn't either, so we have to be careful there. However, 
there's always that forgiveness, you know, when the kid says, hey, but mom, I'm really meant to do that. I'm sorry I got tied up or, or whatever. And God's forgiveness is there too when we come to him with a repentant heart and say, God, I'm so, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And he is so ready and willing to forgive. But we also have, we need to have, we want to have a right, a right attitude in worship. When we come, when we come to the Lord in worship, when we come here on Sunday morning, or when we come here on Wednesday evening, or when you have your quiet time, your personal time with the Lord at home, how do you come to him? Okay, Lord, I got five minutes here. We'll get with, we'll just get with the program. I'm going to hurry through and read John, Psalm 1, and then I'll say, thank you, Lord, goodbye. Now, sometimes, you know, we do have those moments that you have to pray in a hurry. But when you, when you come to a time that that's God's time with you, your time with him, and he wants us to come with a heart, a repentant heart, a heart, a worshipful heart. Do you, do you, do you use his names in your worship time? If that's a new thing for you, start with the alphabet. A, B, C, D. I've got most of them, but there's a couple of those letters that I am still trouble with. I snitch a little bit. Well, maybe that will work. But come with that repentant heart, a worshipful heart. Lord, you are awesome. Lord, you are holy. Lord, you are gracious, you're merciful, you're kind, you're zealous. You know, he's zealous for you. He loves you so much. He loves me so much. He is zealous for you. He is jealous for you. He wants all of you, all of your um, worship and love. I don't think that's too much to ask, given what he's done for us. So we have to be obedient, and we have to have the right attitudes in worship. Uh, in chapter 59, uh, verse 1, it says, His ear isn't so dull that he cannot hear. To illustrate that phrase, I want to share with you, you moms can identify with this. When your child is in a group of kids and you're on the other side of the room, or maybe even out in the hallway or wherever, and you hear a child crying, the mom, whoever the mom is, is going to know that's her child. And what do you do as a mom, knowing that there's six or eight kids out here, and one of them is crying, you're going to leave them out there and just say, well, tough luck, kid. Mm-mm. You're going to go running. You're going to go running to that child and say, what happened? How can I help you? That's the idea Isaiah is communicating here. When we cry out to God, when we cry out to him in prayer with a sincere, worshipful heart, when we cry out to him in our trouble, when we try, cry out to him in our pain, when we cry out to him in our joy, he hears us just that quick, just that quick. Um, chapter 3, in the remainder, it talks about more judgments that's coming, but it's the judgment of the end times uh, when, uh, with the new, the, new, the new world and all of that. Chapter 1, um, in chapter 1, God was the judge and he was the lawyer, also the lawyer. In chapter 66... He's the judge executing judgment and vindicating his name. I was going through Isaiah, just thumbing through this afternoon, and came across one of the passages, and, and God is saying, there's coming a day that everybody, everyone, is going to see me, God Almighty, in all that time that you rejected me, all that time that you said, I don't exist, 
He does. He does. And at some point, the Bible says, every knee will bow before him, acknowledging him as God, acknowledging Jesus as his Savior. It's coming. It may be today. It may be later. But it's coming. So, um, for us, um, in the beginning, in chapter 6, where Isaiah said, Lord, how long do you want me to prophesy? How long do you want me to give out this message? And the Lord, and God says to Isaiah, he says, until, and he talked about the, the land desolate and so forth and so on, and, and he was saying, I'm, he's saying, you continue to prophesy and he would say to you and to me this day, you continue to be about my business. And I'll let you know when the end's coming. Or when the end gets here, excuse me. We don't know when his return is going to be, but we know that it's going to be. And so what are we to do in the meantime? As I mentioned earlier, and uh, just to reiterate that, we as a church have that responsibility of going out and, um, and sharing our faith with others and telling other people about him. And in the days in which we live right now, it's even more critical. People are, so, people are scared. They're frightened. They're uh, concerned what is happening. I don't know either. But I know who holds my future, and I know who holds me. I'm not worried. I'm just not worried. And I hope you aren't either. I know some of you have young children, and I have grandchildren, and I would love for things to be different. It pains my heart sometimes that <clears throat> my grandchildren will not know the freedom that I have known and that you have known uh, over the years. But as Jim Johnson says, God's got this. For those of you that don't know Jim Johnson, he's a former pastor here, that former pastor here. Um, so, time's up. I hope, I would hope, and my prayer has been for you as I prepared for this, is that this, just this little bit that I've given you <clears throat> would inspire you and give you that desire to study more about this incredible prophet and his ministry. We're having a little discussion here about what I'm asking her to do. Would you give one of these to each table? Thank you. I, yeah, I remember. <laughs> Just one to each table. <clears throat> she's handing out a, uh, we're going to begin our prayer time now, and she's handing out a list that has some prayer things on it. And so what I'd like for us to do tonight during our prayer time is to do it at each table. And the very first thing we're asking at each table in the handout that she has for you is that you just get prayer requests from each other, one or two prayer requests for each person at your table and pray for it. And then do that for a few minutes, and then we'll just move on to the next thing, which is to pray for the situation in Afghanistan. Uh, on the handout, there's some information from World Vision about some of the particular needs in Afghanistan. Um, and then there is an opportunity for us to pray for our own nation. And then also an opportunity to pray as we close out our time for Wired That Way and some very specific requests that we have for that. So those of you at the table who have that handout, if you would just guide or lead that discussion or lead that prayer time at your table. And, um, and then I'll, as we get to the end, I'll just close us out in a word of prayer.
as we begin to wind down, would you, would somebody at your table just ask the Lord to do something supernatural in our midst this fall? Would you ask Him to do something that we can only explain by a movement of the Holy Spirit? Father, as we prepare to leave this place, our prayer remains the same. That Spirit of the living God fall fresh on us. Break us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God fall fresh on us. As we go to our homes, Holy Spirit, we give you free reign there. As we wake up in the morning, work out or go to work, take our kids to school, we pray that your spirit would have free reign in those places. So that, Father, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our community, in our county and beyond, we could see a movement of your spirit. Of people being healed, of marriages being restored, of people being given new life because of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Be praying for Keith Gallo. Keith is going to take us into the next couple of weeks in a study of Jeremiah one week and then Lamentations the next. Very glad that Keith has Lamentations. I took Song of Songs. He can have Lamentations. There you go. Be praying for him and be ready. So God bless you. We'll see you Sunday morning for Wired That Way, for Bible Fellowship, and for worship. Don't come alone. Bring somebody with you. Bye.